Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the We Talk Music Podcast with me, Dean Benziken. On this episode, I'm joined by the very talented singer-songwriter, Ella Walker, aka Wilds. If you enjoy this podcast, please do support it by rating it and sharing it around. Thanks and enjoy. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, and also Pleasure. for kind Thanks of being the first, first episode, the first artist to come on. Um, so it's, it's a real treat to have you on. It's a pleasure. Um, Thank you so much for getting in touch. I could talk all day. So Oh, that's great. I'm really excited. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I guess to start off, you know, I kind of been a fan of yours ever since I uh, came across your Bob Dylan cover, um, kind of as I mentioned to you before, and was instantly hooked. Um, and it kind of got me thinking of how, I guess, covers can play a really important um, role in an artist's career. I guess, firstly, it allows um, an artist to kind of stamp their own musical identity on a song. So the, the one that kind of comes to mind is like Johnny Cash's version of Hurt. Um, mm. But also, I guess, more importantly, it helps a new artist or an up and coming artist as well get discovered um, with kind of listeners kind of then going on to listen to, to originals or kind of their back catalogue, if you will. Mm -hmm. um and I was wondering you know kind of for you maybe pre-pandemic when you were performing were, were covers kind of something that you you made sure that were included in your live sets and they play kind of an important role um even to you even as, as I guess as a songwriter as well no honestly not really at all I yeah. uh, it's funny when I first started releasing music covers I guess like live lounges and stuff it was a really big thing mm. and I spent there was a lot of pressure from my old management to like find a cover that I could sort of use as my cover. Okay, um, and I yeah. just never found anything that I loved. And I, when I started out writing, I didn't really do covers. I just wanted to write my own stuff. So I probably lacked, I lack a lot of skill in like knowing other people's songs because I'd never sat down and just practiced and learned chords. Yeah. But that song was just one that I loved. And I sort of thought, I'll do this. I tried a few different Bob Dylan songs and they're all just like bad versions of his. Okay. Um, but that one seemed to stick. And there's what, something what, about what, what it. other ones that you, uh, you, you tried oh, out? Oh God, what did I do? I did, I did a lot of really obscure ones that, that no one would know that wouldn't help me. Um, yeah. I did, oh my God, my brain. Just Like a Woman, which is a great song, but okay. it didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, I love all the really like rambling Bob Dylan songs that are like six minutes long that haven't hmm. really got any structure, which is not what you want if you're like yeah, trying guess, yeah. to be popular. <laughs> but, no, but Don't Think Twice was a good one and it's such a classic and uh, it really touched me at the time. I think I was probably going through something and it was, it rang, it, it rang true as they say. Yeah, no, definitely. So, so if, if, I guess if covers, or you, I guess if you prefer to, um, Kind of just dive straight in and create your own music how, how, how was how did your music journey start did you just pick up an instrument or guitar randomly and then worked out chords i guess most people start off by either having guitar lessons or or trying covers and then going wait i think i could actually write my own song um, yeah i i actually did i was a bit of a musical theater kid okay um which is not a cool thing yeah. to admit to you at all. Yeah. But I did that and I did classical singing when I was at school um, for years. Just I just liked singing and that was the only way I could think of sort of applying it. Yeah. And eventually I just got sick of singing like classical covers and old folk songs from like the 1700s, which is what I was doing. Yeah, um, It was so boring. Um, I just did all my grades and all of this sort of technical stuff. And I just, I think I got a ukulele. It was when ukuleles were really big when I was about 
okay. 14 and I got one and just started writing songs that were all terrible yeah um and then I eventually progressed to a guitar um and then sort of had like a piano as well so it was just just curious it was sort of the first thing that I had done that my parents weren't like you must learn an instrument like you know in the way they push you yeah. and try and live through you I just sort of I basically wanted to find a way to use my voice and instruments were just a, a, a way to get to an end result I've, I've never been like a musician musician I think I'm more of a songwriter yeah and, and, and were you always kind of just doing it on your own or was there ever a point where where you kind of joined a band maybe in high school or? or um... No, I've never been in a band. Actually, I'm in a band now. I've yeah. got another project, but that's, I'm 25. It's my first band. Yeah. I never did it. I never did that stuff. I was just super shy. I'm probably a bit of a control freak. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It must be that, that angle as well, I guess. Yeah, for, the, for sure. And I, until re- really recently, like a couple of years ago, it's always music's been obviously a massive passion and luckily my career and my yeah. job but something that I get really shy and like awkward about mm. so I think the thought of sharing it with anyone else and doling out like creative control was just terrifying for me so I just sort of stayed actually two of my good friends we had like a little harmony sort of trio that we would sort okay of is that kind of like one instrument and everyone like vocally harmonizes? yeah it would be a yeah. acoustic guitar it was really folky and then we just do three-part harmonies for everything which is great actually and I I probably owe them a lot for teaching me how to yeah and, and were you able to perform live with that or or is that just something that you yeah we did like school assemblies okay yeah I mean that's did, so nerve-wracking I would have thought you know it was but I think because you have each other it's more doable and yeah. like when I started doing open mics and live shows they would come and do backing vocals for me and, and vice versa so it was nice to have that little network. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I always find, especially in, in music, you need someone else just to kind of push you and help you along. Um, and, you know, especially, I guess, when you're starting out, it's you need a friend or something. You're not really going to get a manager or someone to kind of control and organise your whole schedule. So you mm. need someone just to keep, keep you going. Um, Absolutely. I guess I, I was wondering, you know, as a musician and, and songwriting, there's always that voice in your head. I guess there's always some sort of doubt that kind of um, appears itself. And it, I guess there's a constant battle between, you know, maybe listening to it and, and because it, it might be good and it, it could either further a song or it could improve a song or whatnot. But how do you kind of, um, I guess, stay true to yourself and be like, no, this is what I believe and I'm going to still, you know, put this song out or I'm going to mm. still make sure I'm touring X, Y, or Z kind of thing. Yeah, that's funny. Doubt is, I think, is as important and having that critical voice is as important as yeah. just getting on with writing the songs because you need, especially like you say, when you're on starting off out on, on your own and even when you have got people around you who are telling you things that they might not have any authority on that subject. So trusting your own doubt rather than someone else's is a weird yeah. like challenge to get around. But I don't know, it's just practice. Like I, for years, just was... 90% doubt and 10% maybe I can do this yeah whereas in the last couple of years like a load of stuff has happened uh with my in my personal life with my music and like my career that's made me sort of just kick out the doubtful voices yeah um, and I've sort of changed my mindset now so now I'm, f- I'm feeling really confident about all of it maybe misguided confidence maybe too, okay. too much confidence yeah but I think you just have to be your own biggest cheerleader and 
sometimes that does mean like being the biggest critic but I f- it's there's a sense of ownership and pride that you get by doing that so that by the time it reaches someone else's ears you know that you've done the best job possible yeah rather than someone saying like after a single's come out actually this is not great or you should have done you should have fixed this or the production should have been like this yeah which is the worst thing you can hear when you've yeah like submitted a song to like the universe forever and you can't take it back Do, do you do you have um I guess either musical friends or just kind of friends in general that um you send you know maybe a demo to and and they'll kind of um you know you'll feel safe with with their kind of feedback or are you just solely just no this is me it's fine and kind of working in isolation I used to work in isolation and Mm. that would mean that I wouldn't be able to take any criticism well yeah Um, especially if it was the right move and I couldn't handle that my my ego was like no this is perfect as it is but no I've got two really great friends my producer deck um who's has the best ears in the world and my best friend Elena who's also a musician I trust her with everything it's really scary when you send someone a demo yeah. and you ask for an honest response because they'll give it to you <laughs> yeah and you don't you don't you really can... want that do you you say you like just give me the honest opinion but deep down you're hoping it's you're like just you know, tell me yeah. it's really good <laughs> reassure me um but yeah I do and it, it it's a big relief being able to do that and, you know, even if it's uh, you've written a song about a scary subject or something that's quite emotional, being able to hand that over to one person and get their thoughts before you hand it over to the population of the world on Spotify yeah. is really good. No, I think I think being being an artist, there's a lot of vulnerability. Um, you know, it's, it's quite unusual, I guess, to be an artist because you're just you're singing really how you feel and hoping people uh, resonate with you. And mm. I guess showing off all kind of the negative um you know kind of useless comments that some people mm. put online um but I guess talk, talking of, of you know original music you know you re- recently released um Woman in Love uh and I'm in love with that song um what, oh, what kind you. of more Me can too. you tell us about uh, what more can you tell us about uh, this track so Woman in Love was the first track that I wrote from my new uh album which is coming out later this year um and it was quite a pivotal time in my life um I was going through a really awful breakup and like that everything around me was just crumbling. I was really quite angry yeah. and I'm, re- I'm not a very angry person. I'm very like passive, not pat. I'm just very chilled. Like I hate conflict. I never want anyone to be upset about anything. Mm. Um, but it was sort of the first time through writing music that I had acknowledged anger and been able to talk about it in a constructive way that also was like a bit catchy and wasn't just me screaming down. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's kind of about that and it's just about, you know, challenging someone's perception of you because, you know, everyone is going through something under the surface yeah. and you walk past everyone on the street or someone on the bus and you have no idea what they're going through. And we always make assumptions about people. Yeah. And I think at that time in my life, everyone that I knew had made assumptions about me based on the, what I was sort of presenting to them, which was that I was really happy. I was in love. I was you know, sorted in my life. My career was going really well yeah. and I was absolutely miserable and really depressed and in a really toxic relationship. And so that's kind of, it's like a playful take on that, which sounds really heavy yeah. and it was quite heavy, but it's just sort of, yeah, like you think that you know who I am, what I'm going through, but actually you haven't got a clue and I'm actually a very angry woman. Mm. Um, but it was such a relief yeah. to write it. It was a real outlet. Yeah. Well, I guess talking of... Uh 
presentation or even kind of false presentation. Um, nowadays, I guess musicians have to also live on social media and, and how difficult it may be kind of keep up with this algorithm, quote unquote. Mm. Um, and several artists have kind of recently come out talking about how exhausting it can be as a musician, you know, because not only do you have to think of ideas and write music and tour, um, you also, like I mentioned, you know, have to be on and at least play the game to some extent, the social media game. And I kind of want to know how have you managed, um, I guess, this so far to juggle this and kind of what are your thoughts as an artist um, in 2022? I've really struggled with it, to be honest. Mm. It's I didn't sign up, you know, when I started releasing music when I was 19, I didn't sign up to be an influencer. Yeah. Um, I wasn't in even like in the last two years since I last released music, it's changed so much and it's, I, I really get and I respect that it's an important part of doing this. And it's such a ridiculous job that you sort of think, well, I, yeah, I'll play the game. It's fine. And it's fun okay, sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. it's I find it a really amazing way of interacting with people that I would never be able to meet in real life. Yeah. You know, the global scale of it, it's there's a lot of unity and that's really a, a really beautiful thing. But it's like the daily posting and trying to make your life palatable and interesting and exciting when actually most of the time I'm just sat in this room mm. in like my pajamas <laughs> trying to write a song yeah. or just listen to <laughs> or the I'm... same song on and on again or the yeah, same exactly. yeah yeah we're trying to play the right guitar part or just like comping vocals yeah or sitting in another studio where there's no natural daylight for seven hours it's really not the most exciting yeah. uh, existence and there are moments where it is the most exciting existence but and I th- actually, I I have had a conversation and I did some posts about it last year and everyone that follows me was like, as long as you're happy, like we don't care. We just want to see what you want to put out there. There's no pressure to, you know, conform to doing reels or like outfit videos yeah. or, or subscribing to that influence part of it. But it is a struggle and it's frustrating knowing that it's not going to go anywhere and it's not going to change. So depending on my mental state it's fun yeah. to play it sometimes but other times it's just overwhelming yeah no definitely do you, do you think it has possibly an impact on on kind of the music that's being created or at least the mainstream music um that's being created yeah I think so definitely even if you look at like the content of music at the moment lyrically people are referencing like social media and everything that you write about if your experience yeah. is based on like your phone or on a screen then you're just so not open to what's going on around you. And I think you have to live and absorb your life to be able to write interesting music. I also think there's a load of artists that will never be able to experience because they'll be put off by the pressure of being really active on social media. Yeah, Yeah, and they think, well, my music isn't that like palatable for a 15-year-old girl who's got like TikTok and stuff, so I'm just not going to bother. Yeah, and it's quite sad when you think about the impact that it might have on like the future generations because mm. people just aren't in touch with real life anymore. Yeah, yeah. Have, you, have you had? Have you ever had to, or even thought of it? Kind of, oh, um, maybe I have to cut out a verse or add an extra chorus, or maybe even start the song with the chorus um, to, I guess, um, accommodate people's kind of listening behaviors nowadays or their their shortened um, attention spans I haven't done it yet I'm saying that even saying that Woman of Love's like two and a half minutes long and all of my other songs like four minutes 52 they're all quite long so maybe subconsciously I am Um, but I haven't yet and that's the danger I think it's when you start editing your 
music or your art or whatever you do so that people will like it that becomes dangerous um because you're not being you're not being true to the artist that you are yeah um I mean like I guess with like radio edits and stuff there's always a technical side where you might need to cut something out and I think as long as it doesn't affect the integrity of what you're trying to say or like you're not censoring yourself then it's fine yeah but if you're if the message is being damaged and warped just to so someone will not skip after 30 seconds and it's kind of defeats the point of music I think yeah no I agree I guess it's kind of juggling between between both those worlds kind of staying true yeah, it's to a you, balance yeah you know, and and at least um or at least hoping people will resonate and finding ways maybe that that might um might aid that to some to some extent yeah absolutely and I've had this conversation with so many friends who are musicians or producers or mixers who were just worried about like the art side of it um, not sounding too pretentious, but I really think that you just have to make what you're going to make and there will always be someone that it resonates with. You will always find an audience. Yeah. And maybe that won't be like a million teenagers, but maybe that was never meant to be your audience. Yeah. And I'd That's rather true. have like a solid, constant, like committed fan base. I really hate that word. Yeah. Who, like, who just want to hear what I have to say rather than trying to tailor who I am to... A group of kids that in six months time would have grown up and moved on yeah you know? no, definitely i think everyone wants to have a wants longevity in their music and these the sort of trendiness of social media isn't helping create that do, do you think we will have artists that um i don't know like your bruce springsteen's or your johnny cash's that will or rolling stones that will be able to kind of stay around for 20 30 even 40 years or is it just a kind of a a short cycle I really hope so I think I think we will there are artists that have taken like look at Little Sims like she's been around yeah. for like nearly 10 years and she just won best newcomer at the Brits and everyone that, that's known her and loved her for all those those years are like hang on a minute she's not a newcomer yeah. she's been like grafting and working her ass off so I think there are it just depends it's always in hindsight that, that you notice these people yeah. and like that's kind of exciting when you discover their back catalogue and there's all of this music for you to delve into. Mm. So I think we will, probably not in the same way as back then. Although interestingly, like in the 60s and 70s, it was very much single-based sort of music yeah. consumption in the same way as Spotify. Um, and then it sort of got into album, more album-heavy music later on. But yeah, I really hope so. It'll yeah. be really bleak if, if yeah, we've got yeah. like a five-year career. Span. All right, five years, he's done now. <laughs> yeah move on <laughs> yeah um some of the listeners here will hopefully be uh, you know songwriters or musicians themselves and I was wondering if you could tell us about kind of your first ever live performance kind of what was it like maybe how did you feel before and after and, and maybe you know talking about hindsight looking back on kind of what you what you think you learned from it oh my god what's my first live performance yeah or your worst I mean oh my worst oh there's favorite. so many bad ones when I was when I first started touring I had a really amazing band who were all like older than me far more professional than me far more talented than me yeah. um, and we did quite a lot of shows around Germany and Europe and some festivals in Holland and I was so petrified of like live shows by that point all I knew how to do was sing live okay, I couldn't yeah. sing and play guitar or play keys so we would go to sound check and like I would plug my guitar in and leave it on the guitar stand. Yeah. And then they'd be like, all right, Ella, sound check your guitar. 
and I wouldn't have turned the amp on because I'd be too scared that I would have like broken oh, wow. it. Wow, okay. So I'd be like, oh, my guitar's not working. I'd just be standing there like a little helpless child. Yeah. And Alex, who was, she was brilliant. She was my uh, keyboard player. She was like, you need to turn the amplifier <laughs> And you know that would happen in the show, in the live show, or like I yeah. would get, I would mess up my tuning pedal, and like someone would have to come and save me. Um, but and I think like any time I've performed with an illness, when I've got like I always have something wrong with my throat or a cold, yeah, and really pushing my voice, which I used to do a lot to the point where I would lose it, and you'd be like screeching on stage, and your voice would break. That's always so embarrassing. Yeah, but I think it's just the lessons are all in like preparation and being calm because playing live is really terrifying for me although mm. saying that I did my first show in about three years last month and I really enjoyed it I really loved it I think because the the music that I'm playing now is a lot closer to me and just feels a lot more me yeah so and I, guess, I guess you see it coming to life you know you see kind of real life interactions I guess too you know I know we spoke about social media and, and kind of Spotify but I guess too much is everything is, oh, well, you know, you look at your phone, oh, it's four likes or it's a like. But I mm. guess the beauty of live shows and why I think it will last forever, and hopefully it will last forever, you know, is that it's real human, you know, emotions and you're kind of transmitting your emotions onto, you know, sonically, um, yeah. on, onto fans and, and kind of people without coming to, to your shows to listen to. Your music. Yeah, and it's, and it's nice in those moments and it, when it feels really electric, like in the air when you know that you can never replicate this moment ever again yeah and that it's just an experience that you and the people in front of you will have and that's in like an age of replication and like constantly having to be available it's really nice to know that this is will be one historical thing that that's just what it is and it yeah. doesn't have to be anything more than that no, and it doesn't have to be anything less it's yeah it is really special yeah well it kind of reminds me i was speaking to um reese lewis last week and, and he recorded his whole album um on tape and Amazing. how he said that was a thing you know he could capture the moment kind of you yeah. know the rawness and the beauty on tape there was no edits and there was no re-edits and re-recording and overdubs it was just this is what it is mm. you know for what it is I guess um yeah that is there's so much magic in that and we nearly mixed the album and like recorded things on tape. And I, then yeah. I just got, I like freaked out about permanence and uh, bad vocal takes and we didn't do it in the end. But if you're, I mean, he's an amazing, he's like so accomplished as yeah. a musician and has the skills to be able to translate that in their live like recording. But it's, yeah, it's capturing that moment. And I think a lot of musicians are really guilty of demoitis where you write a song and you record a demo or you record a vocal and then like you can't change it from that yeah. because there's just this magic that you recorded in that moment. Um, and sometimes that is the case, but mm. a lot of the time you could probably improve. But it is, yeah, it's really special. And that's what like a, a record is. It's a record of that moment in time. Yeah. So why not enjoy all of the sort of little broken bits? No, definitely. It's really magical. Yeah, I've always enjoyed it when even like bands would have like the drummer count in or you'd hear a bit mm. of kind of someone yeah. dropping something in the studio. I tried um, so hard to incorporate yeah. that onto this album. Yeah, just coughing. All those little bits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and my producer was like, no, 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 it sounds really like unprofessional. Let's cut these bits out. And there's one song uh, that's going to be coming out in a few months uh, and his counting on for the drums at the start of the song. And oh, he okay, tried nice. so hard to yeah. cut out. And I was like, no, we're leaving it in yeah. there. It's my one thing. Let me yeah. have this one thing. No, definitely. Um, look, thanks again for coming on. 
um, wants to kind of end it with with the same, hopefully the same last question that we'll be be asking all our guests. Um, mm-hmm. And it's what three songs would you choose to soundtrack your perfect day? If we're talking about kind of morning, midday, and uh, and evening. This is really tricky. This I was yeah. thinking about it. There are so many songs, but I I have brought it down. So first song I think for like a playful like morning song um, would be Seaside Woman by Lynn McCartney. It's her and Paul, um, and it's just like really silly and it's kind of a bit jolly and like just gets you in the mood for the day. Yeah, um, it's a great song. That whole album is amazing. Um, it's called Wide Prairie. It's like all of the songs that her and Paul wrote before she died. Okay. Um, so that's please go and listen to that. Yeah. Um, I was thinking for midday. I was like, how soon can I start to make it a bit like how how soon can I yeah. up the tempo? Does it have to be like calm lunchtime? So I chose Time um, brackets you and I by Kroombin because that's just a bop, and I think okay. we all need a little injection. Yeah, it's such yeah. a good song. I think you really like it. It's great. And it's like the sun is shining and it yeah. just is very hopeful. And then evening, another classic, California Soul by Marlena Shaw, because it's just an epic tune. And yeah. you put it on and suddenly the evening is like, there's so many possibilities ahead of you. Yeah. It's just sort of, it was a classic. Yeah.